0: So excited to see that. It was great to see Clovi up here, uh, her first time back, and Corinne, their first time, her first time back. And I know a bunch of you are here for the first time, so thank you so much for joining us indoors and outside under the tent, and also all of you online. Thank you so much for being here today. You know, for the last two weeks, we've been in a series here called The Great Revealer in which we are unpacking some of the things that the pandemic has revealed to us because crisis, as we learned, is a revealer. And in the first message, we learned that COVID has revealed a deadly new form of religion here in America called comfortable Christianity. And we got to be really careful of that, right? And then last week, Pastor Greg spoke about how COVID has revealed the extent to which we desperately need God. We really need Him and uh, today I want to tell you about two more things that the pandemic has revealed. But before I do that, I just want to give you a, give you a heads up and make you aware uh, of a couple of things. First of all, uh, before the pandemic, uh, the average weekend kids crew attendance here at our church at our weekend services was 250. So this was a year and a half ago. We were getting on average 250 kids every single weekend come into church. That includes nursery and in kids crew, which is why we had they kicked us out of our offices. We had to move and then we changed the we converted the offices, did some renovations there, and we made that the new preschool area. And I can't wait for you for all of you to see that. But this weekend, we will have 70 kids in attendance in person. 70 kids. That's 70 out of the 250 that would usually be here. And uh, we're so encouraged by those numbers. We're really so grateful and thankful for those 70 kids being able to be in kids coup. But it also means that 180 kids aren't able to be part of KidsCoop. 180 kids because we don't have enough staff and volunteers to serve in their classrooms. And so last weekend, uh, just before the 9 a.m. service, I was out in the lobby getting ready to come in here, and uh, I ran a little boy. And he's six years old, and he was bawling his eyes out. And so I kind of stopped, and I said, oh, are you okay? And I turned to the mom, and I said, is he okay? And she said, well, yeah, he's fine. He's just upset because he couldn't get in the kids' school class today because they were all filled up. And uh, I'm telling you, that just wrecked me. And, um, you know, the the one thing is we are, as you may know, we are being extra cautious. We're going to take a little longer than what the government says. And so, our kids group classes. Each class is limited to ten kids. So we're gonna we'll open that up eventually, and hopefully very soon. But we want to do it in a safe way. We want to do it in a way where parents feel like it's safe for their kids, and we want to feel like the kids it's safe for them. And so we're doing it very slowly. But because of that, the number, the limitations as well, and because of the number of because we don't have enough help, we're we're going very slowly. We can only accommodate seventy kids per weekend. And so, um, you know, we, we. I, we hope it's going to change real soon, but I just want you to know, our kids desperately want to attend kids' group, yet 72% of them can't, right? And for those of you who are, uh, have signed up to help, I know my daughter's in there this morning. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I want to thank you not only from me, but for the kids. They thank you. Their parents thank you, because they desperately want to come to class and hear about Jesus. And for those of you who haven't signed up yet, you know, would you prayerfully consider how you might help uh, minister to our kids. We're especially—they told me that they're especially looking for energetic, young at heart uh, helpers uh, because the kids really respond to that kind of help. And so, if you are interested, please uh, go to our website or talk to Mandy uh Ogemori, and uh, we'll get more information to you about that. If, if you sign up to help for kids coup, you're we're only asking for one weekend a month, one weekend. So the other three are you're free. okay, you can do uh, you can come to church. So let us know about that. And then one other thing, because um, because we don't aren't able to open up all the classes yet, you're gonna continue to see children in our adult services. You're gonna see them here, you're gonna see them outside, under the tent. And I want to ask all of you, and we might have some here this morning, I know we had quite a few here at the 9 o'clock service, but I want to ask all of you, uh, and parents as well, to extend an extra measure of grace uh, toward toward our kids, and extend it to our parents as well, because uh, it's not easy for a child to sit through a message that lasts 45 minutes given by Pastor Greg or me, especially Pastor Greg, because he's so boring, but... (laughs) but it's, it's, it's seriously it's not easy for them just to sit there uh, and and they're going to fidget and they're going to make noise and and you know and that's okay. I mean you know th- that's okay now if you start to scream, that might be another thing but but uh, that, you, then the parent might have to do something because maybe something is going on, you've got to change your diaper or something like that, but be extra patient and understanding of our children that are in there. And then hopefully really soon, if we get all the help we need, our kids will be able to go to all the classrooms and, and it'll, be, it'll be really great. So um, we have a lot to cover today. So grab a Bible, open up our South Bay Community Church app. Uh, I'm excited about uh, what God has uh, revealed to me today, uh, what I can share with you. But let me open up our time in a word of prayer. All right, and then we'll get started. Well, Father, thank you so much. I thank you so much for all the great things that you're doing here at our church. Thank you, God, for bringing people back. Thank you, Father, for our children's ministry and for all the folks that are helping. And I, and I know you know we, we have a little bit ways to go. And so, God, would you, would you just stir in the hearts of our people? I, I can't think of people who have a bigger heart than, than the people right here at South Bay. Will you stir in them that we can reach more kids, that we can reach more parents, that we can reach more people. And uh, Father, today, I pray that whether we're watching from home or whether we're, we're here in person, will you just remove all the clutter and all the distractions, all the things that, that we're thinking about right now. Just quiet our hearts. And I ask God that you would just speak to us. I pray that you would speak to us about things that are going on in the world. And I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would stir in us at that through it all, you know, we would be the church that you want us to be. So thank you, Father. I I just, again, ask that you would speak to us and I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Can you see what I have in my hand? So maybe I'll, I'll hold it up and we can get it on the camera so that everybody, even all of you at home, can see what I have in my hand, all of you under the tent. Yeah, it's a dime, right? I have a dime. And the dime is, is the smallest coin that we have uh, in our currency. Uh, I'm sure you're f- probably familiar with the expression, turn on a dime. If you haven't, well, I'll tell, tell you about it. Turn on a dime is a phrase that came about a long time ago. In fact, it goes all the way back to the late 1880s. And it came about as a reference to a horse because a horse has a very tight turning radius. A horse can turn on a dime much like this. It can change directions very, very quickly. Do you know what can't turn on a dime? An 18, a Peterbilt 18-wheeler. Can't turn on a dime, right? Or how about a a lumbering yellow school bus? Can't turn on a dime. Or how about a 90,000-ton aircraft carrier, right? Get one of those to turn on a dime. Not gonna happen. Can't change directions very quickly. Do you know what else can turn on a dime beside a horse? How about a high-performance Honda race car like this one? I think this is one, one of the cars that a young man in our church, Elias, he might be here today. He, he worked on this car, I believe. How about life itself? Yeah, life can turn on a dime. Life can turn on a dime, and we saw that over and over again throughout this pandemic. Life can turn on a dime. In fact, if you go back last year, Rewind to last year, 2020, began as a year of incredible promise for every one of us, and then 26 days later, life turned on a dime for eight families, a whole city, and the whole basketball world when a helicopter crash claimed the life of Kobe and Gigi Bryant and seven other fam- and seven others. And then two months later, in March, government officials issued a stay-at-home order, and locked us all down. Schools were closed. All non-essential businesses were closed. Restaurants were shuttered. Even the church had to shut, shut down. And then panic took hold as COVID began to spread, and people had to go to the hospital, and morgues started to fill up, and it all happened on a dime. Just like that. You know, we've always known that life turns on a dime, We've always known that, but I think this pandemic revealed that in a fresh new way for every one of us. And uh, everything could turn on a dime, and, that, and, and that's borne out by Scripture. It, we see that in Scripture, that life turns on a dime. For example, there was a time when life in the world was peachy keen. It was hunky-dory. It was A-OK. Everyone living on earth was fine, except for the fact that people were morally bankrupt. And then there was this curious fellow. Who was, who was building what appeared to be a very large ship or some kind of a boat. And then one day his family and, his, and a bunch of animals disappeared into the boat. Here's what happened next. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. It says, in the 600 year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the, of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth And the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. All right, you know, here's what this verse tells us. First of all, one day, the fountains burst forth. The fountains of the great deep, it says, burst forth. So water came up from under the ground. It came up from under the ground, and then it started to rain. And it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and got harder, and harder, and harder. It rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. Within a matter of hours, after the fountains burst open and the rain started to fall, within a matter of hours, homes started to flood. And and then within within a matter of days, the entire earth was completely inundated with water. The entire earth was completely covered with water. And everyone on the earth and everything on the earth died except for the ones in the ark. I mean, this was a natural disaster of epic proportions, and when they least expected it, everything turned on a dime. Let me give you another example. Job was a man who had everything. He had everything. Let me, uh, Job 1.3 says that he was the greatest man in all of the East, and he had it all. In an instant, he lost it all, lost his precious family, lost his kids, he lost his job, he lost his livelihood, he lost his income, and he went from having everything to having nothing in the blink of an eye. And maybe you can relate to how life turns on a dime because maybe in this last year, maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost your home. Maybe you lost your marriage. Maybe you lost your health. You went from having everything to nothing a matter of moments. You know, it is sobering to think that life can turn on a dime without any advance warning whatsoever. And that's the first thing. If you want to write that down somewhere, just so that just you remember it, the panic has revealed that life can turn on a dime without any warning whatsoever. James put it this way, James 4.14, James said, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Is not that true? We don't know what tomorrow will bring. And if you think the pandemic was a game changer, one day, listen up church, one day Our world is going to be rocked. It is going to be rocked like it never has before. When Christ descends from heaven to take his church home to be with him in an event called the rapture. I mean, if you thought the global reaction to COVID was wild and crazy and frenzied, wait until hundreds of millions of people, perhaps a billion or more, disappear off the face of the earth with a sudden jolt. It's it's going to freak everybody out. I love the way Paul... The Apostle Paul described uh, the rapture in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 51. He said, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. All right, that word sleep is a euphemism for death. So in other words, you're, you, we shall not all die. There are going to be some people on this earth who are not going to die. Why? But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Paul goes on to describe, notices that it will happen, the rapture will happen in the twinkling of an eye. The twinkling of an eye, in an instant. One second will be here, the next second will be gone, and we'll be in the Lord's presence. That's the rapture. And the rapture, when it occurs, will trigger a panic unlike anything the world has ever seen. If you think things are crazy now, wait till the rapture happens. And billions of people, billions upon billions of people will freak out. And they're gonna freak. i Can you imagine what the media is gonna be saying about this? Where did all these people go? Where did they all go? And uh, and we'll be freaking out for a different reason because we'll be with Jesus and we'll be in heaven. And here's a, the the cool thing: Rapture could happen at any moment. Could happen at any moment. There isn't one thing in the Bible that needs to be fulfilled before the rapture occurs. It's, it's all fulfilled. Now we're just waiting for the Lord to take us home. Getting back to the main point. The million dollar question is, how do we live in a world? How do you and I live in a world in which everything can turn on a dime? How do we do that? Well, Let me give you three quick thoughts about this. It comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And here's what the Apostle Paul said. Verse 16. He said, rejoice always. That's... Also, the shortest verse in the Bible, with, along with Jesus wept. Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All right, so first, Paul said, rejoice always. Right, how do we live in this crazy world? Rejoice always. Now, the word rejoice in the Greek is kairate, and, uh, and, and that means to be glad. You know, I'm telling you this for a reason, okay? So kairate, is a verb which appears here in the present tense. Now, for all of you who are English majors, you're nodding your heads going, yeah, yeah, it's present tense. Yes, I get that, right? For the rest of the 99% of you who aren't English majors, you could care less. And that's why, that's why I don't see anyone nodding their heads, right? But you should, you know why? Because the tense affects the, 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 the actual definition and meaning of the word. And in this case, because kirete is in the present tense, it is best translated, be glad without interruption. Be glad without ceasing. Be glad constantly. Be glad continuously. So write this one down. Don't stop rejoicing. When life turns on a dime, don't stop rejoicing. Now, if I'm really honest with you, I haven't done so well with this during this pandemic. I, I haven't been rejoicing a whole lot during this pandemic. You know, I've told you in the past that um, I have never been more sad than I have been in the last year. I've never been more sad. And many of you, you know, you can agree with that because you've had some very sad things happen in your life. Sometimes I feel like I live in a constant state of sadness. I mean, I really do. I mean. Even this week, you know, just man, I'm just feeling really sad about certain things. I, I can get really sad when I think about my mom and, you know, how she's declining and as she gets older. Uh, I think I get sad when I think about all the things that are going on in the world. That's why I just decided I'm not going to watch any more cable news. I just don't watch any more cable news because, you know, I watch the news and it just makes me sad. It gets me sad when I hear from you and you, you tell me about some of the things that you're going through. And some of the ways that you're suffering, it makes me sad. To be honest with you, in the last year, there were times when I wanted to deactivate my Facebook page. I wanted to turn off my phone and I wanted to shut down my email account because I didn't want to get any more bad news. Because it seemed like every time I heard from someone, it was bad news. And that's why I love Kyrate. Kyrate. You know, and as I was studying this, and I just, I I never realized this until now, as I was studying this week, that kirete is present tense, which means, and I felt like God's speaking to me, saying, Gary, rejoice without stopping. Not because of your circumstances or someone else's circumstances. Rejoice because of who I am, right? And and you might remember what Paul said about that. Philippians 4.4, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Notice, Paul didn't say rejoice in your circumstances. Rejoice that you just got fired from your job. Rejoice that you just found out from your doctor that you have cancer. No, he didn't say that. What did he say? Rejoice in the what? In the Lord, right? We rejoice in the Lord. We Rejoice in the Lord because he is the Lord. We rejoice in God because he is God, because there's no one like him, because God loves you because God is good, because God is faithful. Those are the things that we rejoice about. And so I, t- I gotta tell you, this thing just really spoke to me that even when we live in a world in which everything can turn on a dime and there's so much sadness and there's so many problems and so much hardship, we can rejoice. Not in those things, but we, re- we rejoice in the Lord. Second thing that Paul said we should do in verse 17 is pray without ceasing. This is so good. <clears throat> Get this, this is so good. Pray without ceasing is the Greek verb adioleptos. Okay, you're not going to be tested on that, so I'm not going to put it up here for you. You don't need to write it down. But adioleptos, uh, you don't need to remember that, but but I want you to remember where the word came from, all right? Adioleptos was a Greek word that was used to describe, get this, a hacking cough. Isn't that crazy? Adioleptos, rejoice without, or or, uh, pray without ceasing. Without ceasing, adioleptos like a hacking cough. Ever had a hacking cough? I'm sure you all have, right? We've all had a hacking cough. I mean, when I, my hacking cough usually comes toward the end of a cold, right? When the cold is just about getting better, then I start to cough, especially at night. I lay down to try to go to sleep and then I get up and I'm starting to cough and it's a dry cough and I just start coughing and I just keep coughing. And I keep coughing and then I can't sleep and then my wife can't sleep. It drives Cheryl crazy, too, that I'm, I just keep coughing. Like, you know, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. You're coughing so much. I know. I know. I can, what am I going to do? Take some cough medicine. Doesn't help, right? Finally, go to the doctor. And the doctor says, well, you know what the problem is? The problem is you got a post-nasal drip. I don't care what the problem is. Just fix it, right? I don't want to cough anymore, right? And, and we keep coughing. Well, th- that's the word. This is the word that was used to describe how it is we're to pray. We're to pray like a hacking cough. Well, in other words, we're to pray nonstop, like a cough that doesn't go away, just constantly coughing, cough. That's how we're to pray. We're to cough continuous. I mean, we're to pray continuously, right? We cough continuously, too. We, we're to pray continuously. So write so that one down. Pray like a hacking cough. Isn't that great? Pray like a hacking cough. Pray nonstop. And, and the idea here is, what Paul was saying was, you know, be in constant communion communion with God. That's the idea. Be in constant communion with God. Pray like a hacking cough. You know, recently I heard about an old guy named Butch. Butch lives in a nursing home. And every morning after breakfast, he gets, he wheels himself outside the nursing home, down the street, and he sits in a wheelchair for hours, just sitting on the street for hours, smiling and waving at the cars as they go by. You know why he does that? He does that because, well, Butch can actually sit in his room all day and wallow in self-pity about he has to live in a nursing home and how he's confined to a wheelchair, but he can also do something different. He can be thankful even though he lives in a nursing home and even though he is confined to a wheelchair, he can be thankful that he can still get around and bring cheer to other people. And so that's what he chooses to do. See, the third thing that Paul said to do in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is to give thanks in all circumstances. Now take a look at the verse again. Notice he didn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. Right? I'm so glad he didn't say, give thanks for all circumstances, because frankly, there are some circumstances that are not worth giving thanks for. Like you get cancer. Oh, thank you, I got cancer. No, don't, don't pray that. How can you be thankful for getting cancer, right? How can you be thankful for your child getting sick? No, but he he said, he, said this, don't, he didn't say give thanks for, he said give thanks in. See the difference? Give thanks in. In other words, Paul's challenge to us is be thankful no matter what your circumstances are. Be thankful no matter what your circumstances are. And I think his point is this, that if we look hard enough, if we all look hard enough, even regardless of what we're going through, there's always something to be thankful for. And so write this one down. Thank God no matter what. That's the idea. Thank God no matter what. So when life turns on a dime, When things suddenly, all things get really bad, thank God no matter what, regardless of what you're up against. You know, not long ago, I mentioned to you that my wife Cheryl and another young lady in our church, Sammy Suhu, are going to Africa this July. Even though we decided not to send out any formal mission teams uh, into the world, we sent so many out in 2019, but none last year, and only these two are gonna go this year. Um, we, we decided they wanted to go. They wanted to make the trek to Africa, to Uganda, to serve in a ministry called Loving One by One, which is a ministry that our church has supported for many, many years. Loving One by One was founded by Sherry Roberts. Uh, and here's Sherry right here. Uh, she's on the right, and it's Gwen, who was here at the first service this morning, in the middle, and Rebecca Rivera. She was here last night. Uh, many of you have traveled uh, to uh, Uganda to serve in Sherry's ministry, Loving One by One, you've gone to Kampala and uh, you've been part of their ministry there and and their ministry includes a school, they have a school and they also have a brand new medical clinic. I believe it opened up last year. It opened up last year and the medical clinic was just supposed to be a medical clinic but now it's become a 35 bed hospital. And uh, recently, COVID started to spike in Uganda And Emirates, which is the airline which flies into Kampala uh, from Dubai, is the airline that Cheryl and Sammy were going to use to get in there and out of there. Because of COVID, Emirates shut down. So they're no longer flying. And now Cheryl and Sammy can't go. They had to cancel their trip. And they're absolutely heartbroken about it. Well, a few days ago, Cheryl received an email from Sherry, Describing in, in gut-wrenching detail some of the things that they've been uh, dealing with there in Kampala at, at, their, at their little campus. And uh, she received some subsequent emails from Sherry, and I wanted to read just a few uh, excerpts from it to give you a sense of what's going on and what Sherry is dealing with. Uh, she wrote, Tonight we had an elderly man die. He was very sick when he came and was on oxygen for almost the entire five days he was with us. He was diabetic. His bill was around 500 as the meds, IVs, etc. are very expensive. The family said they could pay about only about $50, but didn't have the money on hand. We have 13 large oxygen tanks and two small ones, and we'll be trying to purchase a few more. I just ordered another three more oxygen cylinders to the tune of $1,500 each time he purchased them. We also just ordered an additional six beds, mattresses and IV stands, which will go in the recovery section in the main school room. So get this for a second, right? They have a school on their campus. They have a, a hospital uh, not too far from it. And the school, and their kids are not meeting there right now. The school had to be converted to a hospital. So they, they they putting people, there's so many sick people coming to the hospital now that they're putting sick people, sick people into the classrooms. So that's why they need more mattresses and, and the such. Uh, she goes on, the ICU rooms are the two larger rooms in the administration building. The male ward has six beds and the female ward has four. Plus, we just made two classrooms recovery rooms with 10 additional beds. Please pray for extra protection for all our staff. Dr. Ammon recovered from COVID last week and is back on duty. Staff members that are currently out with COVID are our security guard, that's Godfried; hospital administrator Santos, front desk Annette, lab tech Lawrence, Cook, Stella, and teacher's aide Sarah. And there are more. And then Sherry wrote a follow-up email in which she wrote, unfortunately we have lost five, four men, and a 90-year-old lady. Two Two of the men had underlying conditions while the other two did not. One man was in his 30s, leaving behind a wife and small children, one being only two months. So sad. I never thought that I would have to have a morgue in my hospital, but we had to make one of the classrooms just that. Ken, that's her husband, started the day helping to move the deceased man from the ICU to the morgue. And then at 8 p.m. in the dark, he helped to move him into his coffin. Handling the body can be very difficult as everyone must be in complete protective gear. Our poor security guards have been called to do this, and I know they are afraid of getting COVID. It takes four people to move a body. And their ICU room looks nothing like the ICU rooms at our hospitals I mean, it's just very basic. It's like a classroom. And he's just got a few more lights and things in there. Here's a photo of their medical team caring for the sick in one of the classrooms. You can see the chalkboard in the back. You know, when I forwarded Sherry's emails to our elders, their response was, let's help. Let's help them. So on Thursday, we sent Sherry $10,000 which is in addition to the monthly support that we provide their ministry. We provide them, and be uh, fully transparent here, we provide them $2,000 a month, comes from your offerings. We gave them another 10,000 this week. And church, I absolutely mean it when I tell you that the only reason that we're able to help them, the only reason we're able to do this is because of your generosity and because of your big hearts. If you didn't give the way that you do, we would not be able to do this. And So I'm not just saying that. I, I truly mean it. So thank you, thank you, thank you, church. There's so many reasons, even in the, in, in when bad things are happening, there's so many reasons to rejoice, and you are one of them. You are, you are what we are so thankful for every single day. And I truly believe that when we get to heaven, when you get to heaven, I believe that you're gonna meet some people who will be there because of you because you opened up your wallets, because you opened up your hearts, they're going to be there because of you. And they're going to say to you, hey, don't you go to, didn't you go to South Bay Community Church? We, I'm here because of you, because somebody that you supported told me about Jesus. And I believe that that's really going to happen. Well, every, everything that's going on in Uganda today and everything that's going on in our world in here, everything that happened in our country in the last year, and it's still going on for that matter, has... Uh, Reveal something to us that we've always known to be true. But I think it's really driven at home. And that is our world is irreparably broken. Our world is irreparably broken, is broken beyond repair. And if we didn't know it before, we know it now. And, and, and here's the thing. It wasn't always like that. Our world wasn't always broken. There was a time when everything was perfect. You know, after God finished creating the heavens and the earth and, and Adam and Eve in Genesis 131, I'll put it up here for you. It says, and God saw everything that he made, everything that he made, the entire universe, including man. And behold, it was very good. He said it was very good. After God created everything, it was very good because man enjoyed fellowship with his creator in a perfect, pristine environment In which there were no natural disasters, no earthquakes, no tsunamis, no tornadoes, no storms, no CO2 emissions. There was no evil, there was no sin, there was no suffering. There were no wars, no murders, no trafficking, no violence, no slavery, no senseless shootings, no abortions, no terrorism, no gangs, no cartels, no homelessness. There were no building collapses like the terrible one that we saw in Miami this week was no lying, no cheating, no stealing, no porn, no prostitution, no rape, no adultery, no divorce, no one getting high on pot, coke, heroin, fentanyl, no alcoholism, no DUIs. When God created the world, everything was perfect and there was no hate, no racism, no discrimination, no lawsuits, no poverty, no class warfare, no greed, no loneliness, no anxiety, no depression, no cancer, no tumors, no Alzheimer's, no diabetes, no mental illness, no heart disease, no leukemia, no COVID. You see, it wasn't like this always. There was a time when everything was perfect and, and everything was very, very good. And then, and then Adam and Eve rebelled against their creator because they didn't want to do what he wanted them to do. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. And Adam and Eve rebelled against God and then everything flipped, everything turned on a dime. And in an instant, sin entered into the world and it's been downhill ever since. And the repercussions weren't felt just by Adam and Eve who were banished from the garden and who lost connection with God. No, there was a ripple effect throughout the entire universe. Sin affected the entire universe. I think the Pro- prophet Isaiah may have described the plight of the world best when he said in Isaiah 24, verse 5, he said, the, the earth lies defiled under its inhabitants for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched, and few men are left. The entire earth has been devoured by this curse. The entire creation is broken. Paul added in one of his letters that the universe is in bondage to corruption, and this explains why life is so hard. Life is hard today. It's hard because we are broken. It's hard because man sinned. This explains why there is so much suffering in the world. And so when when bad things happen to you, when bad things happen in the world, when bad things happen, happens to even a little kid. It's not because God is an ogre. It's not because God is trying to get you. It's not because God is trying to get back at you for something you did. No, bad things happen because the world has fallen and broken and man is the one who broke it. We're the ones who broke it, and every day we break it a little bit more when we choose to sin over God, when we choose sin over God. So write this one down. Our world is broken by sin. Our world is broken by sin. You might even want to write this one, and we broke it. We broke it. You know, about a dozen years ago, Pastor John MacArthur was invited to speak at a week-long pastors' conference in Kazakhstan, which is, was part of the so, uh, former Soviet Republic located in Central Asia. And it was a, this is, Kazakhstan is 15 time zones away from Los Angeles. And it was the first time that a pastor's conference was held in this part of the world. And 1,600 pastors came together to hear him teach on the topic of the church. That's what they wanted to hear about was the topic of the church he wrote that it took him 35 hours to get there, one plane after the other, 35 hours to get there, and finally arrived at six in the morning. And rather than stay in the hotel, he was invited to stay at the home of a very humble, precious lady, a widow, who lost her husband just months before. He described the home as having the very just the bare necessities. And he described how she went to great lengths to accommodate him and to be hospitable by serving him some of the delicacies of their country like horse meat and the conference got underway the next day and um, in his own words, he said he was waxing eloquent and then on the third day, a group of pastors approached him and said through a, through a translator, we have a question. And he said, sure. Yeah. What's your question? And they asked him, when are you going to get to the good stuff? He was a little taken aback and he thought, well, this is the good stuff. They said, no, 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 no. We, we want to know about the good stuff. We want to know about how things end. We want to know what awaits those who love him. We want to know how the church ultimately triumphs. They want to know about the good stuff. And who can blame them? You don't want to hear just about the bad stuff. You don't want to just hear about how broken and messed up our world is. You want to hear the good stuff. So let me tell you about the good stuff. If you want to know about the good stuff, one of the places you've got to go to is the book of Revelation, the very last book in the Bible. So turn to Revelation chapter 5, and let me tell you a little bit about the good stuff. Revelation chapter 5. Now, in Revelation 5, 5, we're going to look at a verse in which an elder, and we don't know the identity of the elder, we don't know who this person is, but the elder says to the apostle John, the apostle John is the guy who wrote the book of Revelation. So the elder says to the apostle, John, take a look at it, Revelation 5:5." And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. All right? He said, weep no more. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. All right, first of all, the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David are Old Testament designations to Jesus. So this is talking about Jesus. He's telling them about Jesus. And again, if you want more details on this, a couple of years ago, Pastor Greg and I did a whole series, uh, an in-depth series through the book of Revelation if you look for the Book of Revelation series in, uh, on our YouTube channel, you'll be able to find it. And I did a whole chapter. I just did a whole message on just, just this chapter alone. You can get more details on it because I'm just going to fly right through this here for you today. But the elder said to John, don't weep because Jesus is going to open the scroll with seven seals. Now, what does that mean? Stay with me. This is so good. The Greek word, for scroll is biblion, which is where we get the word bibliography, right? In ancient times, the biblion, biblion was a sheet of papyrus or animal skin. And it was rolled uh, from both ends to the middle. So kind of like this, you rolled it toward the middle. And uh, it was, there was writing on both sides of the, of the papyrus sheet. And uh, it was sealed. Once it was rolled up, it was sealed with seven wax seals. And the wax seals were like signatures and was used to authenticate a document. But it looked like this. Take a look at this. So in this verse, Jesus is pictured as holding a scroll, a biblion, that may have looked like this with the seven red seals there. And why is Jesus holding the scroll? Well, because it contains, the scroll contains the judgments of God upon the earth. And the only one worthy to open the scroll was Jesus himself, because he was the Son of God. Revelation 5, verse 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain by your blood. You You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So Jesus is the only one worthy to open the scroll, to hold the scroll because he was slain and it was by his blood that we were ransomed for God from every tribe, every language, every people and every nation. And so Jesus is holding the scroll. That's the first thing. And then starting in chapter six, and again, we're not gonna get into this, but starting in chapter six, going all the way to chapter 11, Jesus begins to crack open the seals one at a time second one, third one, fourth one. And every time he opens the, breaks open the seal, the scroll opens up a little bit more. And again, I'm not gonna get into what each uh, seal reveals, but by the time we get to chapter 11, Revelation chapter 11, all seven seals are broken and the scroll is opened up and it reveals God's judgment upon the earth. And here is the result of God's judgment. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. John wrote, And then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So after all the seals are opened and the skull is unraveled, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the world, which is broken and messed up and fallen and which has been ruled by Satan, the kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of God and his Christ. That's, in other words, after all the seals are opened, everything will flip. Everything will flip. Everything will change. There will be 180 degree change because sin will be judged. Evildoers are dealt with. The enemies of God are destroyed. The creation is no longer broken. The world will no longer be in bondage to sin. The earth is remade. Every tear is wiped away. Death is no more. Neither is there any mourning, crying, or pain. The kingdom of the world is... Which is messed up today will become finally the kingdom of our God in Christ. And everything will be new. This is the good stuff, right? This is the good stuff. And this is what is coming. This is what's coming. So remember, everything that we're going through today, this world that we're living in, the suffering that we experience, the brokenness that we experience, it's all temporary. One of these days, it's all going to go away. It's temporary. So if life is hard for you, and I don't know how life is for you today, but if life is hard for you, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Keep the faith. Because the good stuff is coming. Let me close with this story. Many years ago, a magazine Published a series of photos that illustrated the very things that I've talked to you about today. That life turns on a dime, that our world is broken. The first photo in this magazine was a picture of a vast wheat field in Kansas. And there, among the flowing waves of wheat, was a picture of a farmhouse. It was a farmhouse in the middle of that wheat field. In the second photo, There's a mother in distress inside that farmhouse because sometime during the day, her little boy wandered away from home and he wandered into the wheat field and they couldn't find him. They looked frantically, but they couldn't find him. The next day, all the townspeople gathered at the farmhouse and they came from miles away when they heard that the little boy was lost. Many didn't even know the, the family. And the third photo shows all of these people who had gathered at the farmhouse, Show them linking hands as they swept through the wheat field, walking through the wheat field, hand in hand in search of the boy from one end to the other. The fourth photo was a heartbreaker because it was the picture of a distraught father standing over the body of his little boy. And they finally found him, but it was too late. The cold of the night claimed his little life. And underneath the photo was this caption. Oh God, if we had only joined hands sooner. Church, let's join hands. There is power when we join hands. Let's join hands before it's too late so that we can help each other through this broken world. There are people in our church today who are suffering immeasurably. Join hands, come alongside them. We need each other to get through these difficult times and in this difficult world. And then let's join hands together so that we can tell the world about the good stuff. That's Jesus, amen? Let's be the light. Let's close our time in prayer. Father, it has been a sobering reminder to us that COVID has delivered to us, that everything turns on a dime, In fact, life may be great for us today, but tonight everything could change. In an instant, everything could change. And it is sobering to think that we live in such a broken world. And in some respects, it's it's comforting to know that that's why there's so much suffering and why there's so much hurt and so much pain in this world today. It's not because you're out to get us. It's not because you're an ogre. It's because our world is broken, and we are the ones who broke it. Lord God, will you do a work in our church? Will you do a work in each and every one of us? And I know you have been already, because our church is so giving. Our church is so generous. But now, will you, will you move in us to link hands, to join hands with, with one another? that we might bring comfort and strength and encouragement to those who are suffering through this broken world? Will you allow us to link hands so that we might help those through this difficult time? And Father, will you allow us to join hands? Will you bring us together, join hands, that we can tell people about the good stuff? That's you, Jesus. Let us be a light to the world. Let us be a light, God, so we can point people to you. Because Jesus, ultimately, it's all about you. You are worthy. You're the only one. You're the only one who is worthy because you are slain, because you ransomed us with your blood, because you died on a cross for our sins. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you, Father. We dedicate ourselves to you now.